So, Trav, another week is upon us, my dude. Oh, that is how it works, week after week. Hey, what's up, Jake? Yeah. How's it going? Oh, <laughs> you say that, but the, the way it's been lately, it, you know, the concept of, of weeks and things, uh, like, the concept of time has really kind of gotten away from me at this point. I can kind of understand that. Last, I think it was Wednesday, I I don't know what I did, if I sprained my foot or something, but my foot was just throbbing with pain while I was at work, and I, just, I couldn't put any weight on it at all. So I told my boss, I was like, I think I need to go get this looked at. Uh, so I took a couple of days off, had a four day weekend basically. And yeah, it was kind of like, wow, these days are all starting to run together. And that was only four days. So I can only imagine if it's been week and week and week for, for some people out there. Yeah. It's <laughs> the con- like the concept of work here, just that, you know, that I used to go to a place every day <laughs> to mark time is, uh, it's, it's been a real trip, Trav. I wonder what kind of things are going to change because of this. <sighs> I think I think there's going to be less offices. I think people are going to work from home more often. I think business travel is going to change. I think you we're going to. I think we'll get back to. I think it's human nature to want to be in large crowds. Yeah. Like you know, for sporting events or concerts or what have you. I think that's just a like a thing deep in our dna that we want to be around other humans so i think wow, that's going to get back to normal but i think they make uh they make too much money to let them go away that's true but i, I, mean, I think talking music like uh concerts you know concert tours are kind of the the most viable revenue stream for bands anymore uh, oh yeah because everybody's downloading the move the music i mean i don't even buy stuff from you know uh whatever itunes or whatever because everybody's yeah. got a subscription. I've got one for uh, Amazon Prime Music. I think somebody in our house, I think my son's got a, uh, I don't know, what are the other ones out there? <laughs> uh, I got a Spotify Premium. That's account. the one, Spotify. <laughs> yeah, that, it's so, it, it's always been so hard to have a digital library, especially when it's just connected to a phone for mm-hmm. me personally. I mean, I've had, you know, digital libraries of music, which of course I only procured through legal means right i've got a playlist it's called dad's songs that aren't crappy because my kids always complain about my music and it's got about 700 songs on it it's just on my amazon prime account yeah i have a uh i have a specific spotify list called uh, i think it's called jake's realist summer jams that's our our barbecue music i have one called the summer of trav too so that's funny we both went with summer supposed to be the summer of trav well it's kind of like upbeat like you know cool you know songs that are to get you going get that blood flowing yeah Yeah, the the summer jams playlist has uh it has tracks on it that I'm not super fond of, but I have to, uh, I have to give over to their them being some of jams. <laughs> but there have been a few. Uh, I forget even who sings it. That song, the "She's Only 17. That it, it was. It, it was actually so. I got like 300 or so tracks on it that I inherited from another some of jams tra- playlist, and <laughs> 17 got kicked off the list. I can't remember who sings that. It's like Winger it's, or it's somebody not. Like you know that. what? It's it's not worth recognizing. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, it's only 17. That should have been where the, the song stopped right there. She's only 17. Yeah. Therefore, <laughs> there's no more reason so to I sing this song. I did the right thing and didn't mess with her yeah. at all. Yeah. Let, yeah. The Beatles had a similar thing. <laughs> yeah. 
We've talked about it before. There's a disturbing in our, you know, in rock lineage, there are disturbing amount of songs that are basically some white guy talking about how much it sucks that he, like he should, like she's way too young and I shouldn't. But the I outfield. Really want to. What? The outfield. What is the outfield? Uh, it's a band, you know, Josie's on a vacation far away. That one? I don't think I know that I, one. I used no. to think it was the police. I always thought that song was by the police. It's, uh, God, how does it go? Uh, it doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> it's almost not worth thinking about. They always play it at baseball games. That's why it always just pops into my head. Gross. Yeah, a little bit. But it's talking about how he likes, I like my girls a little bit older. I don't want to lose your love tonight. I just want to use your love tonight. <laughs> you've heard it. I know you've heard it. It know, doesn't maybe. sound familiar the way I'm singing it, obviously. <laughs> I don't know. I think you're right on the money. <laughs> it's pretty close. Yeah. So, by the way, in case, uh, <clears throat> case you accidentally hit play on something that you didn't know about, you are listening to Late to the Party with Travis Tate. I'm your boy, Jake. And I'm, I'm Travis Tate. How's it going, everybody? Thanks them, for listening. We on them phones again. Yeah. Thanks for downloading. Thanks for downloading to hear us talk about uh, rock lore. Rock uh, lore. Dirty, dirty rock stingers. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, the amount, the amount of you would think you would think that something as big as rock would be a little bit better gatekeeping for dirtbags, but no. <laughs> I'm proud no. to say I have only dated older women. <laughs> I've never You've only dated, dated older women. Well, I mean, I did go on a date to the prom with a girl, and she was older than me too. Well, so there you go. I've never dated a girl that was younger than me. Hey, hey, you know what? Good on you, Trav. I always had like crushes on like like if I was a freshman, I'd have a crush on like a senior. Yeah, I was never like going backward <clears throat> with that. I don't know. It's very classy, Trav. I try. It's <laughs> what I do. Succeed. So what you been up to, bud? Oh, you know, just, you know, trying to survive. Uh, I've been reading. That's been fun. Yeah? What you been reading? I've been reading a stand-up comedy book called I'm Dying Up Here. It's a, uh, Is this... Who wrote it? Uh, his name is William uh, Nodelsturder. I don't know how to say it. It's a very, <laughs> it's a very like, German or Swedish or some sort of European sound. Nodelsetter? I don't know. Okay, so Any, is this about a specific period, about a yes. specific comic, or yeah. is, okay. I'm actually, it, it's it's probably a shame that I haven't read it to this point, but I always kind of wanted you know, you to. get around to what you get around to. Right. I always kind of wanted to wait to read it until I had actually been to the comedy store, and since I went there last year, I was like, all right, yeah. it's time. So I ordered it. It's basically about the comedy strike in the late 70s, so it's got. You know, Mitzi Shore, who owned the comedy store. It's got David Letterman, Jay Leno, Robin Williams, uh, some, you know, Richard Pryor. There's even Buddy Hackett pops in there. Just all these old comics. It's really cool Good to read. stories or? Well, it's about the comedy strike. So it was uh, when the, the comics weren't getting paid and they decided uh, we should be getting at least some gas money. So they, they went on strike uh, to be paid $5 a set. <laughs> Oh, oh man, that was some wild demand. Yeah. Well, I mean, I kind of go back and forth reading it because it's like I get the, you know, you want to be compensated because it basically people go to a comedy club to see the comedians. They don't go to see the, the waitresses. You know what I mean? 
But at the same time, uh, the argument by the comedy store was, well, this is a place where you're supposed to like, it's an artist colony. You're supposed to like take chances and, and try some things. And if I pay you, then you're a professional. And if you're a professional, then you're not going to be able to dink around and do the, you know, the new stuff you're going to have to kill every night. I don't know. I kind of go back and forth reading it. I've only got That's one so- chapter left. That sounds like uh, that sounds like a like bamboozlement. That sounds a lot like uh, like hey, <laughs> we you can either be a professional and not be a comedian, or be a comedian and not a professional. Well, the either down- way we're going to stick it to you. The downside to it, and it, it was confirmed in the book actually, and it was what I was thinking is if you're going to pay people for every set they do, guess who's not going to get any sets anymore? It's going to be the new up and comers. Because you're only going to be paying people that you know are quality if you have hmm, to pay there, them. You know what I mean? There, there's like no in-between that they can establish? I mean, they ended up coming up with a... a uh, they came up with a contract where like uh, there was two or three um, up-and-comer spots on every show, but they didn't get paid. But that is what happens if, if, if you want to get paid to do comedy... Uh, well, guess what? I'm only going to pay the people that I know are good. I'm not going to take chances on people them and pay them. And there is some I mean, that, some validation to that too. That sounds that sounds uh, that sounds somewhat reasonable. Like you know, like you have open nights. Open nights are for like do would people be expecting to get paid for open night? Uh, there's open actually mic? some people will email the club and say, "How much do I get paid to do the open <laughs> mic?" And it's like uh, nothing. That sounds like people. <laughs> I mean. Uh, to be fair, that does sound like someone who should be doing an open night. Yeah, well, they should probably probably be selling plasma also because <laughs> <laughs> you must really be hard up for money if you think you're going to get paid to do open mic. Well, you know. know, you know, people like I said, those are the kind of people who should do an open night or open mic. Why do I keep calling it open night? She I have no do idea. An open mic night. <laughs> are the people who don't really know comedy that well. I mean, obviously people who do know comedy and just want to, want to try out some new stuff. That's where right. you, where you try it out. It is amazing to me how many people think that it's just like, well, I, I did it once. Now I'm a comedian. <laughs> Not exactly I mean, how it works. I mean, you know, but, but also you obviously, when you, when you host open mic, you, you get a little, you get a little chow for that. Don't you? Oh yeah. Yeah. I get, I get paid. I get paid for most of the time when I when I do stand up now, which is oh, nice. There you go. Um, but I I don't have a problem not getting paid. It's not like, you know, I went and said, "Hey, I need to get paid." It just happens to be the shows I get booked on, or I'm so, emceeing or something like that. Because I emcee a lot. It's because I'm a good emcee. Because I keep the show going. I I know how if somebody struggles in between, I don't go up and rip on them. I I try to just get the crowd going again, you know, without making that person feel like garbage. You know, I'm a, I'm a good MC. I, I, I want, I want the crowd to feel like the money they paid to see this show was well worth it. So it always yeah. bothers me when somebody bombs and then the MC goes up and talks about how terrible that comic was. Cause it tells the crowd, Hey, you paid for a less than a- or less than average show. You wasted your money. And I don't think that's good business. So <laughs> So are you uh, are you saying you would you would just do comedy for free at this point if if I, there were no other no revenue stream in it you would just do it for free? Well, yeah, I've been doing it for free on these live streams and stuff like that. I do it for free quite often, but more often than not, I get paid, which is a great thing. It's not like I'm getting paid a lot. It's just you know 
it's nice to get a little bit of money and it, it, it does add up. But yeah, I would do it for free still anyway. I, I will still be doing it for free for a long time. Uh, even even like the big professionals at the comedy store, they could get, I think they get like $25 a set or something like that if they do the original room. And these are people that like sell out stadiums. They're not doing it for the money. They're doing it so they can, you know, keep their timing up. They're doing it to try out some new material and stuff like that. And most of them, I think, end up donating that $25 to, you know, the, the less uh, successful, let's just say, comics that are going to be going up later. So it's, yeah, I would definitely do it for free. It's just like you'd play video games for free. Would you do it? Say you were a professional, <laughs> a professional video gamer. And you, or you got like a, a stitch live stream or something like that. And you got a huge following. Would you only do it if you were live streaming for people to pay you or you'd still do it on your own, right? Oh, for certainly free? not. But I mean, it's yeah. not, it's not like if, if that were going on, it's not like I would have to kind of, it's not like I would kind of have to source for gaming gigs. I just play what I want, but, but, uh, you know, to some degree you have to, you have to source for gigs, right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. But I, I kind of look at a lot of sets as practice. Like a dancer doesn't get paid every time they practice, right? There's they still got to practice to keep their their craft as sharp as possible, and then they get paid when they're doing an actual show with a paying audience. So there's well, like I said, that's that's still like the, you know like to practice. They don't really have to source for practice. Like for you to practice, you have to find yourself a gig. Yeah, it's definitely more helpful in front of a crowd than just standing yeah, you, in front of a You have mirror. learned that. Yes. But, you know, that's what I'm saying is like, yeah, I'm sure, you know, farting around playing video games. Like, but actually, from, you know, some of the stuff I observed, the whole, you know, playing professionally, like if you've got a Twitch stream, like that, that doesn't always all seem all that fun. There's a lot of weird pressure that comes along with performing for people that way. Or, you know, some of the guy, some of them seems like, well, you're good at this game. You're only ever going to play this game because this is what your audience wants to watch. So you know, it's you a weird get to where you. Go ahead. I guess it's, it's uh, odd to think of uh, the think in terms of uh, you can't do a certain variety of comedy. So when you're just hanging out, you gotta do con like if you do comedy just for yourself. <laughs> right. Well, there's also a certain amount of you have a love for what you're doing. Uh, like my son will, he, he's been putting up these YouTube videos where he records himself, uh, playing a video game and then he adds in like special effects noises or he splices in, uh, like a, a little short clip from a, like a Simpsons episode or something like, like a reaction type thing. And they're really yeah. funny and he has a lot of fun doing it. You know, he's not making any money doing it, but that's kind of how stand up is a lot of the time is you're doing it just because you love to do it and also if you don't do it you, you get worse at it a lot of the time <laughs> yeah it, th that's another great example we're not making anything off of doing this but we love doing it we like talking to each other we like talking about the things we're talking about and we hope that people like listening but yeah if you're doing it for the money you're probably gonna be super disappointed most of the time what if you're doing it all for the nookie uh, there, I know quite a bit of people that are getting quite a bit of nookie. Me, I'm not, I'm not looking for it either though. But if you're doing it for the nookie, that's kind of, honestly, with art, that's kind of one of the few perks. Doing being an artful person is you probably are going to get laid once in a while. <laughs> that is what nookie is, right? 
Uh, you know, I'm I'm going based on the uh, Limp Bizkit song. Yeah, which, and uh, you can take that cookie you know. and stick it up your stick you. Stick, stick it up your you. Shut up, Limp Bizkit. Limp Bizkit. <laughs> so, uh, so you, you read the whole book then, huh? Is I've there, got I've got a there, chapter left. The chapter I'm is on. Is there a, kind of a story arc to it? Yeah, it's like it's, is it focusing on maybe a specific person among this whole story or yeah i mean just kind of trying to tell the this era it talks about the people i've already mentioned it kind of sets up their background and then it talks about another guy a comic named tom Driesen, and he kind of became the leader of the the uh, comic union type thing and then there's another guy named steve labet labetkin and uh, he ends up jumping off of the hotel that's next to the comedy store I think he wanted to uh, land on the comedy store. He He's kind of mentally ill. He In the chapter that I'm in, he's going to die at the end of this. I already know that he dies. Spoiler alert, it happened 40 years ago. But uh, yeah. yeah, he jumps off the, the Hyatt House Hotel, uh, which uh, I've, I snuck in there and took a dump one day uh, while I was waiting to get in the comedy store. Anyway, Did, side you note. You know what? These are the stories that I'm here for. <laughs> they were really nice bathrooms, I got to say. But yeah, he he didn't clear as far as he thought he was going to, and he ended up in the in the driveway, just landed on the ground. So, but excellent fully work. <laughs> <laughs> I try, uh, but yeah, it's a it's a really good read. Uh, a lot of comics have read it a long time ago. I don't know. It is depressing. That's probably one of the reasons I haven't read it. But it's an interesting. I kind of want to see. Honestly, if I could choose Quentin Tarantino's next movie, I would I would have him make this story and then he could also like take it into the future a little bit and have it go with you know the leno letterman rivalry back and forth and how they hate each other still to this day i think that would yeah. be pretty cool too because that one that made for tv movie they did was not very good so no no that was no no it wasn't i've also been watching a lot of like letterman <laughs> letterman clips on youtube where it's just him bagging on jay leno <laughs> oh wow yeah i um, you could do that for hours I, it's kind of funny i uh uh gabe had a uh, gabe had a little social distancing party mm -hmm. um i'm still on the fence of how i felt about it but good gravy he he spent the last month and a half not being around anyone so right i, I Went against my better judgment and let it go, but they watched uh, Back to the Future. <laughs> and on the way over, I was trying to, you know, I was just shooting the breeze about this movie that he's going to watch. And I was trying to explain to him the importance of, uh, you know, I like Crispin Glover a lot. And I was trying to explain to him, like, how significant it was that he tried to kick David Letterman in the face. <laughs> there were some weird and moments on that show. Have you seen that clip? That one, I think I saw a, like a long time ago. I haven't seen it for a while. Yeah. though. it's it's really something. Like I, I still, because it looked like he was touring on the movie uh, Reuben and Ed when he did it. <laughs> they and filmed I that here, he was, right? Yeah, yeah, they did. I think he was kind of trying to stay in character, <laughs> and then just wings. A, he like things just go quiet for a second, and you know David Letterman's doing the thing that he'll do, where he's just kind of, you know. <laughs> Well, it's it's a it's like a bit that he does, or you know, he he's done it with like someone like say Richard Simmons, where he's he's kind of trying to take the piss out of him, right? And he's doing that, and then it gets quiet for a minute, 
And he puzzles, and then he tries to whip a kick right at his head. <laughs> and uh, it cuts Weird. commercial, and he's not there when he comes back, and he never comes back. <laughs> I'm I, pretty sure he got the uh, whole cloth banned from that Oh, I'm show. sure. I'm sure. I would like to yeah. see an alternate reality if, if Tarantino did it where... Where like, he connects. <laughs> well, I don't know. And a, like, and a, and a pit bull comes off stage and grabs Crispin Glover and shakes him violently. Are, are you familiar with Freddie Prinze? Freddie Prinze Jr.'s father? Like, he, was, he was a comic kind of, yeah. in the 70s and he, he got huge. Like I think he went on The Tonight Show when he was like 19 and Johnny called him over to the couch and he instantly yeah. got uh, Chico and the Man. He was he was like living large for three years, and then when he was twenty two, he got super high on quaaludes. And uh, I guess he used to play Russian roulette just to freak people out. Well, he actually like blew his brains out. Yeah, that's <laughs> so. That's, I think uh, that, that's what you're getting in for. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, an alternate reality version would be like, what if he didn't die? Uh, what if somehow Le- uh, Letterman got the Tonight Show instead of Leno? Would Leno have been like the the rebellious? Everybody's because I mean I do like both of them, but one of the things I like about Letterman's because he's kind of the underdog that got screwed. You know what I mean? And I think there would be an interesting like take on what if you know what if Letterman got the Tonight Show and Leno was the guy that was screwed on the other side, uh, you know, yeah. throwing jabs at Letterman the entire time. Would he have been a little cooler than people think of him now? Just like all these alternate, like, one little thing changes, like maybe Andy Kaufman doesn't die, just all this weird stuff. It would, it would be interesting, yeah. I think. Yeah, com- you know what? Comedy, the lineage of, com- of like, stand-up comedy uh, could have some really interesting kind of choose your own adventure type stuff going through it of who lives, who dies, who's successful, who isn't. What if Richard Pryor didn't make that change and he just stayed as like a Cosby clone? <laughs> yeah. And he, to his last dying day, he was still like, Hey guys, let's, let's, let's write some clean jokes. You know, <laughs> I think that would be interesting. Or what if Cosby went dark and then, when the Cosby news came out, everybody would be like, yeah, <laughs> we, say, we saw yeah, that coming. I think, I think Cosby went dark. I know, but he went dark behind the scenes. He didn't go dark, you know, in public. In public, he was still, I'm America's dad. You know, we didn't know. Well, some people say they knew, but if they did, shame on them for not saying something. Anyway, the, I, I, I'm almost done with that book. It's been a lot of fun. <laughs> Like, uh, like, dude, what if Mitch Hedberg had gone, had, like, what if his career could have played all the way through? Oh, he, his is a he, sad he, case. He burned so bright so fast and mm-hmm. was so genuinely, like, I was just thumbing through Facebook the other day and a set of his was on. There's a bunch of the jokes that I've heard before, but like some of the jokes, he was another one of those comedians, like a Dave Chappelle, like a Richard Pryor that. Some of his jokes weren't that much of a written joke. It was just, it just sounds really funny to hear this guy just kind of pontificate. Part of it is kind of his like hippie vibe. Part of it yeah, is, it, is his deliverance, his, his cadence. But there's still comics that start, they're doing their first open mic and they're, they're basically trying to be Mitch Hedberg today. Like he definitely made an impact and he was funny. I mean, one of my favorite Mitch Hedberg jokes, um, I don't know, like verbatim, but there's a couple of them I can think of off the top of my head. Like, I uh, I like rice because sometimes I I want to eat like a thousand of something. Yeah. Or uh, yeah, it's a lot of things that like, it's, <laughs> it, 
I think he and I think he just projected as such a likable person that you wanted to laugh along, regardless of whether it it landed. Because I think there was even one joke he told on. He just said one real quick, and nothing happened. Like even before before there was much of a reaction, like y'all are going to take that one out, right? <laughs> on his special, do you know the story I, I of his was, special? Uh, no, I don't even know if I've watched this, but I know I've I've seen a bunch of his you know, his stand up, but I don't know if I just ever watched a whole special of his. So his comedy central special, uh, they had been filming for about a half hour and he had been bombing the whole time. And then he just got to a point where he didn't care anymore. And he sat down on the stairs and he just started telling the jokes he wanted to tell. And it's legendary because he's just like, there's at one point he's like laying down (laughs) telling jokes and it killed. Like they cut all of the first part out because he was bombing so bad. And then the second part was like, I don't care anymore. One of my other favorite ones is, uh, he's like, I was playing my music too loud and my neighbor started banging on the door and I yelled, go around. That is not a door. (laughs) It's just like, how do you think of that? He was so addicted to heroin, though. He was like, I'm, I know I'm going to die. I don't care. And he kept injecting it into his leg in the same spot, and he ended up getting gangrene to the point that he was oh. he was going through security at the airport, and his leg stunk, so they did an inspection. And that's how he found out he had gangrene. So, yeah, heroin's a bad thing. Don't do heroin, kids. But then, but then you got to go to the Choose Your Own Adventure. What if Mitch Hedberg but not heroin? Is he Mitch Hedberg still? I think so. I think he'd probably be pretty legendary right now. I think he'd be up there. If Mitch Hedberg was still alive and functioning, I think he'd be up there with like Chappelle, Bill Burr. Honestly, I do. Like he, he was, he was doing something so different than everybody else. I'm kind of like a tell a tell is so different than everybody else with the, the caveat the, there's a lot of young comics trying to be a tell, but he's so much different than other established comics. Like everybody's favorite comic. If you're a comic is David tell. Yeah. Like he's influenced so many people. Mitch Hedberg was that same way. So he would be legendary. He'd be in people's like top five active comics. If you asked any comics right now, just because his writing was so different. Yeah. And there, there is that also is that there weren't really a lot of people like him and, and you know, people emulating him don't really, it just doesn't really come across. There was he was him, and he was the only one who got to be him. There's some people you just can't like uh, Stephen Wright. You can't really copy Stephen Wright. Yeah, he's God, so he's Stephen so Wright. his own thing, and it's it's untouchable really because he really is a great comic and he's super funny. And you know, anybody right. that tries to be like that just fails. Hedberg's in a similar lane, uh, not quite as intense as Stephen Wright, but like Stephen Wright is. He's one of those comics that you, I'd always looked at and said, like, uh, is, you know, is is Stephen Wright all the way Stephen Wright outside of stand up, or is that something that he only does on stage? Is it a modified thing? Like, oh my gosh, what's over, happening? Over Something's going crazy. What is? I don't know. Are you moving around? Are you climbing what? through tunnels? No. Am I okay now? Yeah, you're okay now. It went really weird for a second. Oh, no, I think I know what happened. I, I think, put my arms up, and I think my uh, I think my stupid neck got in the way of uh, the microphone. I thought you I'll got sucked into the seventh that. circle of hell. Oh. <laughs> you went. We haven't we haven't gone to the fandom zone in a while. <laughs> <laughs> 
Anyway, that's enough stand-up talk. What what have you been doing, Jake? Uh, you know, I I still read. I've been reading a lot too. I uh, my book that I've been reading, I've been reading the Savage Detectives, which is it's a little little bit more of a difficult read than what I generally do. Oh yeah, it is. Uh, no, it's no, it's nothing <laughs> quite like that. It's it's about like uh, young dirtbag poets in Mexico in the seventies. Hmm. And it's kind of, it's so, so far I, there are two separate kind of things to it. There was the sort of first part of the book that was, uh, uh, almost in the style of a journal of this 17 year old kid talking about kind of getting in with this sort of movement of poets. He's, he's kind of a dirtbag, and it's like, <laughs> like reading it, reading it as a 43 year old man. Like my large takeaway is like, Oh God, delusional teenagers, but it's, <laughs> I, you know, I don't know, but, uh, sort of that kid's story hit a, hit a peak and then it switched to, uh, like accounts of people talking about these other two poets that were in the group that were kind of the heads of the group. Hmm. And it's just going through like different dates of different characters talking about, a time, uh, just a time period that happened to them. And, it's it's really interesting. It's sometimes hard to follow, and then there there are moments like I just read uh, one of the accounts that was a guy mostly just listing off poets, and he's just saying poet, 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 and then occasionally he'll he'll sort of talk about one of the poets for a sentence or two, and I'm like, I don't know who any of these people are. He they're a so poet, it, and you didn't even know it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it's it's an interesting read. It's kind of. It, you know, it's it's a different kind of read than what I'm used to. I'm not I'm not disliking it, but it is also a little harder to read than what I normally read. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's also longer, like as opposed to the 300 page affairs I've been hitting. This one's a 600 page affair, so I'm going to be at it for a little while. That's a big book. Yeah, yeah. You can you can kill some bugs with that. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I draw. I, I, Dropping on my foot, I'd hurt, hurt myself. <laughs> but uh, I think yeah. It's... So you know, I'm getting around it, and then once I'm done with that, I'm gonna I'm gonna roll up on. Uh, I'm gonna take. I'm gonna eat some candy for a little while and read. Uh, I got a box set of uh, of Witcher books of like the first major arc. An entire box set. Wow, nice. Yeah, it's three books, but uh, it, you know, it's three three hundred page books, and they're all pretty easy reads. So I'll probably. I'd probably be able to pound out those ones faster than I am this one. <laughs> that's 900 pages total. That's yeah. a little that's a little late to the party math. <laughs> Got to get my uh, reading exercise in before they send me back to work. Yeah, I mean Also re- I want to I I really want to I really would like to get all the Witcher stuff done with uh, ahead of the next season and kind of cuz I, I think I told you those first two books are short stories. mm mm-hmm. Mhm. And from looking at the backs of a couple of those ones in the box set, I'm starting to get the impression that maybe um, the the this trilogy of books is more of a long form of like everything that happened in between. Because uh, I forget you you did watch The Witcher, yes? Yeah, yeah, I watched yeah. them all. And so you you saw that like uh, Yen and Siri uh, specifically have pretty. They have pretty lengthy backstories and stuff like that. And right. In the books, those characters show up, 
but all the stuff with like the you know the hogwarts for mean witches and <laughs> kind of all a series childhood isn't really a part of the books like that stuff gets maybe referenced a little bit but it doesn't you know especially yen's whole story is not really a part of the short stories that i read that school so was the least if... favorite part yeah i did not enjoy it yeah, yeah i get that i wasn't into it so at i'm all. I'm wondering if these uh, novels will have more of that. It'll be telling that same stuff, but a more, you know, a more deep dive of, you know, at least those two characters anyway. Right on. Sounds good. So I'll let you know uh, in a, maybe next month when I get around to that. (laughs) 900 pages later. Yeah. So you, uh, you got me on that. Hey, by the way, hey, Trap. May the 4th be with you. Yes, everybody, it's May the 4th. Jake, do you know what that means? What does that mean? That means it's Cinco de Mayo Eve. Oh, man. (laughs) Cinco de Distanso this year. Well, no, not this year because they they opened every... Travis, maybe that's what it was. They wanted to get the bars back open ahead of uh, Cinco de Drinco. Well, I mean, everybody had to give up on St. Patrick's Day, so I guess they're going to go extra hard on Cinco de Mayo. Yeah. I'm going to get some carne asada. I'm going to get some uh, tacos al pastor. I'm going to party. Oh, I was, That's how I'm going to party. I was, a little, uh, I was a little naughty over the weekend. I uh, Late on Saturday, I went over with a mask on, mind you, <laughs> and got me a carne asada with fries burrito from Rancheritos. And then oh, a, the California a, burrito. A uh, quesadilla with um, guacamole in it. Oh, Ooh. God. It was... Trav, it was so good. <laughs> Mexican food is the bomb. It it really yeah, is. It's I, so good. I really enjoyed it. We're lucky to have some good restaurants here. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. everybody like L.A. is like, only the good tacos are only in L.A. Well, guess what? We've got some that are pretty good. There are some really good ones in L.A. too and in San Diego. But we're not bad here. It's not like we're the middle of the country like we're in Iowa or something. Yeah, we're not getting Michigan tacos. Yeah, these are, we've got some high-quality Mexican food here, and I'm proud to eat it every time I do. No, well, it's good stuff. You, you you get to a red iguana, you're going to get some quality stuff. Yeah, they're not open yet. They're still doing curbside. Yeah. Salute your tacos. Yes, indeed. But it is May yeah. the 4th. Yeah. yeah. I, we I, got a little Star Wars news today. You see that? Yeah, we got... Uh, Taika Waititi is going to make a Star War. I wonder wonder what his movie is going to be about. I... I'm gonna I am gonna walk all the way out on this pier and say it's gonna be silly. I hope. Yeah, I, I think you're right. And it, it should be he's a good action director too. He directed uh at least one episode of of The Mandalorian. So yeah, he knows what he's doing. of course he's done Thor and you know, Jojo Rabbit and all this stuff. So I'm yeah. just starting to get into I just figure kind of basically if if you are a moderately competent director who's kind of up and I, I don't know that you'd necessarily call uh, Watiti up and coming, but just like, you know, you're really good, but you haven't made enough of your name of yourself. You can say no to stuff. You're, you're, pro- you're going to end up making a Marvel Star Wars. I've got a pitch for you. Here's the pitch. Okay. It's a young, oh. it's a young Luke Skywalker. He's living with, you know, Uncle Owen and Aunt Beru. He doesn't really have any friends, so he has to invent a friend in his mind. And he invents Darth Vader as his imaginary friend. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. It's Jar-Jar basically, Rabbit. yeah, Jar Jar Rabbit. 
I think that would be actually kind of fun. Did I step on your button there? <laughs> no, no, that's fine. <laughs> yeah, I'm just I'm like I said, I'm just expecting any any director who kind of does something like yeah, like I figure you're gonna see like Bong Joon Ho doing a Star War, a Marvel Star War in the next five years, just because. Mm-hmm. If you're a director who made something pretty snazzy, they're going to go, hey, could you snazz it down a little bit and make one of our movies, please? I wonder what he could do. Man, he, he would make, like, The Host is really good. Uh, uh, Train to Busan. He did Train to Busan, right? Did he? I think so. I Maybe I'm wrong, but I think he did. No, he did He did Parasite. Oh, I know he did Parasite, but yeah, he could do, like, a, a really good he thriller. He does thrillers. He did. He did. Uh, he did Snowpiercer. Does he do? Does oh he like, right. Does he have a Train trilogy? No, maybe that's why I was thinking Train. Maybe it wasn't Train oh, to Busan because okay. that is a that's a Korean movie. But I think I was just thinking Snowpiercer and then connecting the train there. That's probably yeah. what it was. I'm interested. I they haven't done that Snowpiercer TV show yet, have they? No, I don't think they've filmed it. I don't know. No, yeah, they, they have like filmed that. it because I've seen a picture. I'd like to see that. Yeah. Everything's on hold now. John Wick got pushed back now. John Wick 4. I guess. But you've been watching. You, I got you to watch a few episodes of Clone Wars. Yeah. Yeah. You had me watch these. Uh, the last the three, three most recent ones. Yeah. Well, one came out today. Neither of us have seen the, the final episode. But the. Is it, that is the final Mm-hmm. The finalist yes. of episodes. That'll be the final one because it went. It was a total of twelve episodes. There was three different four story arcs. So the first one was kind of like a ragtag bunch of clones. Some of them had special powers, and then there was four episodes about Ahsoka Tano kind of making friends with uh, these these two sisters that she meets, and you know they they end up smuggling spice and things like that. Those were okay. The first four were really good with the. Uh, with the the clones and then the last three and i'm you know anxiously waiting to watch the fourth one but the last three with darth maul and ahsoka in it are like top notch like if i was going to recommend which i did to you any episodes to watch it's those three one i don't know if you noticed um the movement of darth maul they actually motion captured ray park so there, it's oh, yeah? so fluid. It's really cool just to watch, and the yeah, things he does. Watching some of the the action is pretty cool, and I was kind of I, I guess you kind of got to assume that's mocap for for that sort of choreography. Like it, mm-hmm. you know, it made me think a lot about what kind of work goes into into making something like that. Like what, you know, what's the uh, what's the split between like you know, kind of doing animation work versus animation work you know based on mocap acting type stuff i think that That i don't i don't think they've done a lot of motion capture in these shows before i think it's all been animation but for whatever reason it just seemed super fluid and almost realistic and it's just i guess the way the human body moves maybe there's some sort of uncanny valley thing in there because before i even knew it was mocap i was watching it with my my son brady and i was like those movements seem really realistic. He's like, yeah, they motion captured it. And I was like, oh, because it stood out to me how different it was. If you go back and watch other stuff, but you know, the story's good. The action's good. Just seeing Darth Maul be cool again was good. Yeah. It, they're really good. Yeah, if you have the, Disney plus go check them out. I, the conflicted Darth Maul stuff was, uh, was kind of interesting. Although I, so what, maybe you can tell me cause you've, you've watched all the clone wars. Yes. No. Yeah, I have. Yeah, and 
I've seen a little bit of the early stuff and now I've seen this. So what just just kicking the peanut around, what kind of finality could they bring to this series in in the next episode? What what do you just based on what you know of it, what do you feel like can close out this series based on cuz some of what I some of what I look at this from is well what what can constitute finality with something where all of the primaries you know their stories go on mm-hmm. elsewhere see the cool thing about these episodes is they're taking place at the same time as the end of revenge of the sith so in the last episode order 66 was given out so mm-hmm. rex goes after ahsoka cuz he's you know got the chip in his head just like the rest of them and i'm not going to tell you what happens but if if you've seen star wars rebels you know that rex I'll just spoil it because if you've seen Rebels, then you know uh, Ahsoka captures Rex and takes his chip out, and you know he's like, "Oh no, I can't, I can't." You know we've been used this whole time. They built us just to kill the Jedi. So Rex, Rex is a good guy still, and but I think the last episode, I don't know, I haven't seen it, but it's well, gotta, it's is- gotta tie up some loose ends from the movie, like, oh, uh, or you know, how does Yoga make his Yoga? How does Yoda make his way to Dagobah? And they actually talk about that. He goes to Dagobah earlier in the series because uh, he starts hearing Qui-Gon Jinn and Qui-Gon tells him he needs to go to Dagobah because the force is so strong there. And that's where Qui-Gon teaches him, you know, how to do the force ghost thing. And then also, uh, there's also an episode yeah. where Darth Maul meets, um, cause he's trying to take over Mandalore and uh, Palpatine. Well, does that kind of contradict? Uh, does that kind of contradict um, Rise of Skywalker? Because Rise of Skywalker kind of presents that all the Jedi can talk to Rey. Well, I think Yoda goes back retroactively and teaches them in their ghost form. I don't know. Like he learns how to connect with with the Force and connect with the spirits. So he goes. He goes. Basically. He goes. Force goes tracking. Is that what yeah, you're saying? Yeah, basically, just on his own. He doesn't take a companion. But yeah, uh, he does eventually teach uh, Obi-Wan how to do it too. But they talk about that in the end of Revenge of the Sith. But there's an episode uh, where uh, Maul ends up meeting um, Palpatine because Palpatine comes to Mandalore because he knows that Maul's back in the game. Because Maul had kind of gone crazy. Uh, I can't remember who saved him, but they attach like this giant spider thing to his bottom half and he goes crazy. And then his brother, whose name is Savage, ends up finding him. Anyway, he get he comes, you know, gets his brains back together, starts learning how to fight again. So uh, Palpatine looks at him as a rival, and he's not happy. So he goes and he basically he kills Maul's brother, and then just beats the crap out of Mar- Maul, leaves him for dead. But he says, "I'm not going to kill you because I need to use you still." And then you know Maul goes into the basically the underworld and becomes like a gangster. And that's where he ends up in solo. That's clear as mud, right? <laughs> oh, there's, <clears throat> but I think so that much. I'm like, hoping this like, final episode kind of ties up like, okay, where does Ahsoka go? Does she, does she find out the Anakin killed all those little kids? Does she, you know, she has to know eventually. I don't know if she finds out in this episode, what, what, what does Maul do? It'll be interesting. I'm looking forward well, to think, watching uh, it. Is Ahsoka in Rebels? Yeah, she shows up in Rebels. 
So and, that's why I, I, I think there's, isn't there, from what I understand, there's a scene where her and Darth Vader kind of uh, get within distance of each other and she can tell that it's Anakin? Yeah, I'm I'm on season two of Rebels and they're ship to ship. Like, she's basically on a ship that is Just going by his ship and she can tell. It's kind of like Luke going, I'm endangering the mission. My, my father's on there. Yeah, like father she can, son. She can yeah, tell okay. that her master is on there, but she doesn't say anything about Vader. So, But Vader is in Rebels and uh, he ends up, you know, the, the Rebels crew ends up meeting Vader at one point. And man, he's really cool on that show too. It's kind of like yeah, that's what I'm... the stuff he can do is kind of like at the end of Rogue One where he's like picking people up and throwing them and stuff like that with the force. Yeah. Stuff he didn't that's do in the, the original movies. That's the kind of crazy thing, like I said about uh, Clone Wars, is that it, it, it feels weird to have a finality because pretty much to a character, everyone else's story has already gone on or even ended elsewhere. I guess it's it's all it would be almost like what you say, like how Rogue One is, except for Rogue One, they really, you know, close the circle on mm-hmm. the main characters of that. It's so just it was a finality. It's really cool how they take because Ahsoka isn't in the movies and Maul wasn't in in those movies. Oh, she Gumby, she Gumby. Well, yeah, she will be going forward, but she wasn't in uh, the prequels, and Maul was only in uh, uh, the Phantom Menace. He wasn't in the last two, so it's good to tell that story that everything is going on in the universe around them, but the focus is two characters that they can have some sort of outcome that is unknown to us at this point. Kind of, we know they both live, but we don't know, you know where their story takes, but there's references to, uh, I can't talk to Anakin. He's going to confront the, uh, the chancellor about his power and, or there's references to Obi-Wan just killed grievous, uh, the war is the war over now kind of things like that that are happening at the end of revenge of the Sith. So it's really cool just to see those, you know, those loose ends get tied up a little. It's pretty cool. Yeah. We'll see how it goes. You know, uh, haven't not watched all of it. I'm sure it's not going to have the same impact for me, but you get we'll the gist of it. it. You don't have to, there's a lot of filler episodes in there <laughs> and a lot of them are fun. If grievous is in it, it's, it's generally pretty good. Uh, anything with mall is pretty good. But there's a lot of filler. Like there's episodes where it's just Jar Jar and Padme going. Oh, that's on, too bad. Going on like a a mercy mission and things go wrong. <laughs> <laughs> there's one where uh, Jar Jar puts on. Uh, I think Anakin left a cape on the on the spaceship, so Jar Jar puts it on, and er- all the droids think that he's a Jedi. <laughs> And then he just ends up killing them all by accident, you know, like, like he steps on a gun and blows them all up. It's things like that. It's go- some of those are garbage. Jar is like is uh, accidentally very brutal. <laughs> yeah, that was actually so. That was one of the things that it, it was kind of. I don't. Th- I think I've this is I've seen this before, but like the the uh, the whole droid army. They they denote intelligence and things like fear and joy and things yeah, like that. Like that is get, weird. They get slaughtered mercilessly. They even have sarcasm. <laughs> yeah. Well, the battle yeah, droids they were when, designed to basically be cannon fodder, so the more advanced droids can come in and and win the day. But yeah, they're basically there just as a distraction. 
I think they were largely there again. I'm not kidding. I think they're largely there to show like really brutal warlike tactics, but it's like, well, they're robots. So they say like, Roger, uh, that, Roger. <laughs> that one, that one uh, episode where Anakin comes out as the distraction and he pulls the tactical droid out and, you know, swipes him in halves. Like I, I was just thinking that of like, that's, that's kind of brutal for something that like <laughs> definitely is showing intelligence. Right. <laughs> But it's a robot, and it's fun. They're silly. They say Roger, Roger. Let's, let's Roger, go. Roger. <laughs> <clears throat> but yeah, check it out. I'm I'm looking forward to moving into the rest of Rebels because Rebels is pretty good. I kind of discounted it a little. I mean, I I kind of cut cable right at the time Rebels was coming out, and I was like, yeah, everybody says it's good, but I'm not gonna buy it on like because you could still buy it from like Apple TV or something. I was like, I'm not going to spend that or buy the DVDs or anything. I'll, I'll see it eventually. And now I'm going back and watching them on Disney plus. And I was like, this is really a good show. It's slightly oh, different talk, animation. You talk about buying things. So last week after, after we recorded, mm-hmm. I uh, went out and talked to Cindy and I was like, Hey, guess what? I just found out exists. There was a whole other series <laughs> after the Golden Girls called the Golden Palace, and like she after after she woke up after fainting, we found the whole series. There was only a season, right? Uh, they had the whole season on YouTube, and Cindy blew through it in like a day and a half. Oh, it's all on YouTube. Yeah, and yeah. what's the review? She she loved it. She really? adored it just because it's more. It, it genuinely it, it's got the same theme song sung by a, a different person and it's it really is basically the golden girls except b arthur's not there in place of b arthur you have cheech marin and don Cheadle. <laughs> and, but it, it, it's oh. roughly those same adventures everyone else is there and b arthur does show up for a couple of episodes but it's you know i kind of walk in and out and it, it is it's roughly the same the same stuff and then after that because uh, it was a it was like a youtube channel and after it it had a Golden Girls documentary, and then it had a documentary on each one of the girls. Huh. And, uh, you know, it, she was just in love. She found out so much more about them, about the kind of people they were, and, you know, who uh, – I think it was uh, um, Betty White and uh, Rue McClanahan were up for the opposite parts, and it just kind of worked out that they ended up being, you know, <laughs> instead of Betty being – Could being, you imagine uh, that? That would be weird if yeah, Blanche Betty was the White dumb one and – and uh, yeah, they, Betty White was either, the horny one. Because <laughs> Rue McClanahan has that Southern accent. It was funny mm-hmm. that um, that uh, what's her name um, Ma. She doesn't really. She doesn't. Her voice isn't really the same outside of the show. She sounds a little well, more she, just just like a normal person. She was much younger than than she played. I mean, I don't. I think she yeah. was around the same age as the rest of them. Yeah, but. It, it, it was interesting for her to, her to come out of it and be the one that's like kind of an affectation. I think uh, Betty White played kind of a a Blanche type character in uh, the Mary Tyler Moore show. Actually, she was very oh, yeah. confident. I think she kind of maybe used her sexuality to help her along the way a little bit. She was all also kind of kind of sassy. So I could yeah. kind of see why they maybe would like, hey, would you read for this? But yeah, she definitely nailed. Uh, uh rose you know the way she did it that was it's like a timeless you know tv character so that's interesting and uh one of the things that came out of it was uh the documentary with b arthur one of the things b arthur said was 
she she never did series it once it once she felt done she left like she left mod when it was on top and she left golden girls when it was on top and one of the other one of the other documentaries i think she might have said it was rue mcclanahan said yeah i kind of you know b arthur was right we should have you know, we just we loved the show so much and we just never wanted to end. But Golden Palace really never should have happened. There's this weird thing in Hollywood where like one of the main stars leaves something and they try to like milk it as long. Like, do you remember how Scrubs ended up? No. So all of the no, main I stars don't. pretty much wanted to leave Scrubs. There was a few that wanted to stick around and maybe kind of part time do it. So they basically did like a. Uh, uh, scrubs uh the college years so they had a bunch of new students that were trying to become doctors and then every once in a while turk would show up or jd would show up and they'd kind of mentor him and they still had dr cox there but it was a completely different show with completely different cast but they would just kind of pop in and go hey remember me the like the weird. connors is weird like that too like 20 years later you bring back roseanne and then Roseanne well, that, has a bad that night, so much, and they that had. So, did Roseanne have a bad night, or did she had she a really have a bad, bad night. visible night? Let's say a really bad night. <laughs> but then they just change it. Oh, we're gonna call it the Connors now. Yeah, and she died. <laughs> it's weird. Like, just let it go. I, I think she had. I think she had. You know, I, I, I think uh, Rosie O'Donnell or not Rosie O'Donnell. <laughs> Roseanne. <laughs> that would be funny if they would have recast Roseanne as Rosie O'Donnell. <laughs> Oh, that would have been great. Uh, Roseanne, Roseanne had a regular night that she got seen for a change. <laughs> but uh, no, I was just thinking that the the U.S. office uh, they did pretty good. They went on for a good while after uh, Steve Carell left. Yeah, but it wasn't the same. It really was different. That's a good example when they brought in old. Uh, I wasn't what's his really face? watching it, so. It wasn't as good. I, I promise you I, that. They brought Kathy Bates in for a while. Who, and, did, who did they replace him with? It was, oh, I can't even remember. James Spader. James Spader Gross. was on there for a while. Yeah, it was weird. And then, and then he went away, and but he would pop in once in a while. Kathy Bates would pop in. It just wasn't the same show. It was just weird. When, when, you, when, the, when the big person leaves, you just got to just let it go. Just let it go. Let it go, Junior. Would, Let it go. Would it say, would it say Cheers did pretty good post Diane? Yeah. Diane was, a, Diane was a lead. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, that's one. But it was so early on. It's not like it was at the end of the road and then they switched it. It was so like she was only on there for like three or four years, I think. And then they switched was to Kirstie really? Alley. Yeah, she wasn't on there for that long. I think Kirstie mm-hmm. Alley was on there longer. Time dilates, and I was, you know, I was fairly young then. So in my mind, it's just like a half and half split. She did Money Pit and Troop Beverly Hills, and all of a sudden, she oh, thought she was boy. she was Miss Thing in Hollywood. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, what are you gonna do? She she Sometimes jumped off the wrong goes. boat. Gotta get paid. You gotta get paid. Ching 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 ching. It's weird being a woman in Hollywood too. Oh, I'm sure it's weird being a woman anywhere, but Hollywood especially. <laughs> But yeah, so now she moved, uh, buying things. She moved past that, and then she really wanted to watch Maud. <laughs> but Maud, Maud had to be a purchase. So oh, yeah? we are the proud owners of season one of a Maud. Uh, and how how does that hold up? Uh, she loves it, but I 
I don't like if we showed her the Star Wars Christmas special. I was just gonna she ask. Probably would like it. <laughs> I was gonna just ask because she's seen it. <laughs> just, just the visage of B is enough for her, and that you know I can hardly blame her. I I think I've watched. I've kind of watched her singing that, and like it, it, you can look at something like that and go, "Oh, this is terrible." But be like, "I'll watch all of this because I just like watching this woman." I like to think that the song that she sings to get everybody to leave when she's closing is the original closing time by semi-sonic yeah, certainly i was already i was getting in that lane for you so it must be but yeah the, the theme song to I, this isn't gonna <laughs> this isn't gonna come across but i tease her about it because the theme song the theme song to mod is largely like it it's a it's a 70s kind of kind of thing and it's largely talking about other women but the last back half of it it just is and here comes Maud, here comes Maud, and here comes Maud. But every time it says here comes Maud, it switches to B. Arthur coming into a room. And <laughs> for some reason, it just slays me. I started watching uh, Carol Burnett show. It's like at least oh, season yeah. one is on Amazon Prime. I'm so nostalgic. It's not in, bad. I'm so nostalgic in in so much as like even stuff like the Mary Tyler Moore show that I wasn't there for. Mm-hmm. I would I would still watch it and and a and, and like a contact nostalgia would get me. I'd be like, oh, I'm. This, it doesn't even have to be good. I'm just so in love with all these people. I would recommend because I've gone back and started watching Cheers. Cheers is a great show. It's Cheers really well written. It's Cheers is excellent. It still holds up. Some of the references are a little dated, but it's still a really good show. You'd assume they'd have to be. And I, I kind of like like when <laughs> it's a little bit different with Carla and Sam, but they've got like a long relationship. But people actually get their feelings hurt a little more on Cheers, it seems, than other shows. Like Big Bang Theory, it always bothered me that they oh, would where say. Oh, they're always being shits to each other? Yeah, and, and nobody would ever get <laughs> mad about it. But Diane especially would like really get her feelings hurt if Carla would say something mean. So it, it just seems when that happens in a show, it's more realistic. Like even The Office, like Dwight would actually get upset if Jim did something. You know what I mean? Or Toby would actually feel bad when Michael would talk about how terrible he is. Things like that. I just like a little realism in your insults. That's all I'm asking. I think uh, there, there was a certain acceptance that Carla was mean. Oh, yeah. Guess- she was very mean. <laughs> Shows maybe tell me if there's a truth to this, Trav. Mm-hmm. There wasn't like shows now, everybody's mean, yeah. Whereas shows maybe from that era had a mean character, yeah, like uh, Danny DeVito in Taxi or, yeah, yeah, or Carla in Cheers, yeah. Like, you're not gonna get Cliff really laying into people, yeah, not so much. Yeah, he was more, he was a punching bag more than anything, certainly, <laughs> certainly. But, uh, you know, he's just, uh, yeah, okay, I get you. And you're right. So people, do people, but, but I guess that's, that's another part. Do people react to Carla like, oh, Carla, come on, Carla, you really hurt her feelings. Or is it more like people just go like, ah, I was mean, but eh, Carla's the mean one. I think there's a little bit of that. And then when it hits the point that somebody actually gets their feelings hurt, then they're like, Carla, come on, pull it back a little, go apologize. You know, that kind of thing. Anyway, we're at about an hour, Jake. Are we already? I didn't even. Yeah. Wait, I didn't get into my to the ramen western that I watched. The ramen. We'll have to save it for next week. But uh, I did. I recorded a. Uh, it was a Zoom virtual uh, 
panel for FanX last night. It it went up today. Uh, it's on YouTube. It's on Instagram, all those things. It's basically about why we love Star Wars. It's about 30 to 40 minutes long. If you're interested, give it a give it a watch. It's it just it's free. Just go watch it. They put up a bunch of stuff uh, because it's May the Fourth. So they're just, I think they did an interview with Daniel Logan, who was a uh, little Boba Fett, and they've been just putting up a bunch of free stuff just to get people to watch it. So go check that out. Uh, other than that, anything else you want to hit before we wrap up? Oh, uh, you know, I guess I'll, I'll stay. I'll save uh, Tampopo for next week. I do want to uh, rant about something real quick. Oh boy, Trav! Wait, hold on, Travis. Let me. Okay. Cha-ching. I just put my seatbelt on. Okay. Ready for it? Do 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 I have been talking about how amazing the new Twilight Zone is on CBS All Access, and I watched. Uh, I think it's episode five last night. It's got John Cho on it, and it is garbage it's just the worst it is so it's about uh a little kid that he becomes a youtube sensation and says he wants to run for president and then people actually start to run him for president and he wins and then he's a little shithead basically and that's the entire episode close to home yeah well I kept telling my wife, if they changed the music on this and made it like wacky, like it could be like a Nickelodeon TV show. The only thing he really does that's really horrible is he has uh, he has his uh, one of his chief of staff shot in the head because he goes, he's got a gun. So his Secret Service guys pull out their guns and shoot him. But other than that, it's he, all good fun. Why does he have him shot? Because because he becomes a little monster and he wants everything to be his way but he's that a little sounds kid. a little too close to home trav it's just it was just it was not good it was horrible i just i've been talking to so many people about how good the twilight zone is and then that episode happens and i don't even know what's real anymore well it's <laughs> the other <laughs> ones were so good the other zone. ones were amazing and this one is garbage so skip I episode twilight five. zone i got the out of limits <laughs> that's true it was more like scanners because my head exploded Oh, oh dear. Frank Oz, no! Oh, I was going to mention that Fan X thing. I'm going to put it on the end of this episode. So as soon as we finish talking, I've got the audio, so uh, you can go ahead and keep listening to that if you'd Dokey like. Dokey Artichokey. Yeah. If you're feeling it. You got anything else? Uh, any any promotion? I mean, Wise Guys oh. kind of opening yeah. its doors again. Yes, Wise Guys is opening. It's not going to... They're not going to be selling you know, the whole place out. It's going to be social distance. There's going to be six feet between people. So I think they're figuring like 60, 65% capacity. They should be able to get some people in there, but also, you know, do it safely. But Bent Washburn is at the downtown club this weekend and I'm going to be opening for him. If you live up in Ogden, my buddy Alex Valuto is going to be up there headlining. So you can go see him. And that one's all ages. If you want to take your kids, that'll be a good show to, you know, take some, you know, younger, not, not like little kids, but like, you know, Younger teenagers, tweener, tweens, those kind of kids. But yeah, Bent Washburn's super funny. He's been on Conan. He's been on the uh, Craig Ferguson, and he, he's one of my you know favorite comics that have come out of here. So I'm super excited to be doing shows again in front of a live crowd. Well, congratulations to you! Woohoo! Anywhere else you might be popping up, my man? Uh, not as of now. No. <laughs> well, if you're a fan of things popping up. 
we would nice foley work my man <laughs> we would encourage you to subscribe to our podcast please give us them five stars and write us a one sentence review it's how we get visible if you can't do that phone a friend wanna like get they did in the visible, old days. Phone a visible. We want to get visible. Let me get your ad revenue. Let me get your <laughs> ad revenue. Revenue. So, uh, if, if none of that does it, but you really, you got to get at us. You got to tell us how it is. If you've got any opinions about, uh, anything uh, fruit, fruit, <laughs> We want to hear your opinions on fruit this week. I'm big on mango right now, if you really want my opinion. Put a little lime juice, some of that tahini sauce on it. Mango, like, so here's my thing. I like a good mango, but I like a soft mango, and I haven't been able to figure out if that's the way you're supposed to get it, because I'll get get a a little container of sliced up mango. Yeah, that's what I like. And I'll open it up, and it's kind of hard, and I'm like, you know, I'm I'm not hating this, but, like, I like it when it's a soft mango. I like it when it's a little hard, too, because it's kind of got a little, little piney, piney scent to it. Ah. A little bouquet of pine. But I don't, I don't know if the kind that I like is overripe. Like if I, people are like, oh, you like the brown bananas, huh? No. <laughs> so give, give us your opinions on fruit at later to the tater at gmail.com. We'll answer all your questions about fruit. We'll accept all your opinions about fruit. Let's get the fruit discourse going. Let's do it. Bring it fruit up. Fruit hasn't really, people aren't nearly critical enough of fruit. You know what? Some nice people left me a, a little, uh, thing of strawberries in their mailbox today that was oh yeah just fresh strawberries, fresh strawberries? Like, here, here thanks for all your hard work here's some strawberries well that's nice I suppose. yeah it was very thoughtful i appreciate it you love to see it and they're nice and ripe uh blue wave theory does our music yeah they do i love it we appreciate the usage boy every time it comes on i'm like <laughs> i start dancing around so, anything else you can think of that we haven't gotten to, Trav, that we need to? Mm, no. Not that I can think well, of. So, for Late to the Party with Travis Tate, I'm Jake. And I'm Travis Tate. And better Tate than never. Boom, and there is Travis. <laughs> oh. Sorry, I didn't know in you guys were coming undisclosed- that quick. How's it going? He's in an undisclosed little bunker in Idaho, I think. How are you <laughs> oh, doing? It's Utah. It's Utah. South Idaho. Oh. I'm doing good. How's everybody doing? I love how you have your mic like you're doing stand-up right now. Yeah, that's just that's the only way I can do it. <laughs> I, I, otherwise, I feel weird. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Thanks so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me. We have me. one more guest, right? Craig? We have one more, a, a podcaster from uh, the Fandom Cast, also a diehard behind the scenes fan ex staffer, support guy. If it wasn't for him, you wouldn't get anything digital done. Let's bring in Brandon Ushio. Brandon! And he is beaming up extra slow right now. I see him joining us Aww. nice and slow. He loves to go ahead and take his time. That's what I hear. Because this is Star Wars, not Star Trek. You don't beam up in Star Wars. <laughs> this is why you have me here, the newbie yep, that you yep. guys can go ahead and crack. <laughs> Brandon's hyperdrive's not working. Hit it with a wrench. <laughs> I know, right? I know. Seriously. It's um, not my fault. So That's what he's the saying. Best part of, the best part about this is that if we uh, can't bring him into the meeting right now. Um, there he is. Guy. 
There we go. <laughs> oh, he's kind early. of here. He exists. Hey. 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 <laughs> Dude, we're almost done with the interview. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> we're going to wrap it all up by saying, so Brandon, what does it mean to you? No, we're, we're... <laughs> I love it. Hey, Fatnex family, I wanted to go ahead and chat with people that are in the know. They follow this franchise. And basically, you know, Craig's got a whole bunch of questions for everybody here. I'm going to be a fly on the wall listening to all things Star Wars and that fan base. But um, I just want to go ahead and hear what Star Wars means to you guys. What got you into it? Favorite characters, all this stuff. And like I said before, Craig, um, I might actually kind of like um, ask a question or two because I've been on your social media accounts, guys, and I've been able to pull up some stuff from the past. But that's later on. Craig, take it away. This is going to pull up a lot of boring This dogs. is our life? Is that what this is? <laughs> I remember that show. Papa, is that you? <laughs> Sleeping pug pictures. That's all he's going to get. But, Ro, anything you have, you, you just come on in. Um, you, right off the bat, I know, because he last when he asked me to come on, he said, we're going to talk Wookiee, and he spelled it wrong. So oh. Are we going to talk Wookiee? Yeah, that's in uh, San Francisco. That is at in San Francisco at the Funko place in San Francisco. That was a nice Wookiee. Um, and I actually have a bunch you can't see because I got my virtual, but I've got two or three Wookiees right here, including my goggles and stuff. So, uh, you know. Nobody doubts that, Craig. I, I, <laughs> so I've got, you know, there's my Wookiees up top. <laughs> I got my, I got, and then I got an extra Wookiee down on the other side. Uh, I've got Wookiees all over the place. So, But do you have the Chewbacca mom mask? I do not. <laughs> he brought it back. I totally forgot about that. <laughs> I have That's one somewhere. Funny. I can send it to you if you want. <laughs> so I'm going to start off by uh, asking a simple question that will define how you see Star Wars. And so that would be, when did you see your first Star Wars movie and what was your first Star Wars movie? Because for me, my first Star Wars movie was Star Wars. Uh, it's becoming a, a problem more and more panels I do, I'm the oldest on the panel. Um, I used to be the middle-aged one, but now I'm the old one. Is that how time works? Yeah. Everybody else is younger. But I saw it in uh, 1977, but I did not see it opening day. I was only four years old. I saw it at a drive-in theater with my parents with a double bill of Cool Hand Luke. So, wow. Whoever was programming at, at my little theater in Concord, New Hampshire, my drive-in was really thinking, well, so Valerie, what was your first... Uh, Star Wars movie, and uh, what was your first experience with it? So I believe the first Star Wars movie I saw was Empire Strikes Back, and it was at my home. I was living in Colorado at the time. I was in preschool. I had, like, the brown shag carpet and the really <laughs> ugly couches, but we had, like, the really cool book that came with it. Do you remember the Empire book with the stickers? Mm -hmm. um, so we would open that book and go through it as we would sit and watch the movie on TV. So it was probably, like, on HBO or, you know, my parents recorded it on a VHS and we watched it over and over and over, but Empire was my first experience with Star Wars. Tate, Travis, what's going on? Uh, I was born in 1977, so I didn't see the original Star Wars in theaters. Sorry, everybody. The first time I remember seeing a Star Wars movie is I remember seeing uh, The Return of the Jedi in the movie theaters. I was not quite six, still a little, little over five. And it blew my mind. I, I remember uh, the movie theater had all of the windows painted and it was all decorated to look like it was Star Wars. I was like, what is going on here? And then I had my parents track down. This is back when uh, we didn't have a, a VCR at those times. You had to go like rent one from a video store. And uh, 
all of all of like the Empire Strikes Back, Star Wars, they were all like not just rented out, but rented out for months. So we tracked down uh, this guy that my mom worked with had snuck a video camera into the theater and recorded it. (laughs) And that's how I watched Star Wars and the Empire Strikes Back for the first time was this angle from down here that this guy recorded trying not to get caught. Not do pirate videos. No, 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 no. no, Not not just pirate videos. Ancient pirate video, like real pirates. Yeah. (laughs) Egg leg and a patch. Yeah, yeah. Bird chirps. Brendan, what was your first experience? What was your first movie? So the prequel or the original trilogy predates me, Um, but my first experience was with Empire. And I spent the night at my uncle's house and I don't know, he was just done with kids or something. And so he just put in a movie while he went and did something else. And we, my brother and I watched empire and it was amazing and I loved it. And I thought, you know, just that opening scene with the Tauntaun, that was cool. I mean, a lightsaber pulling, I mean, it was just, it was just neat, but the, the star Wars thing that really set how I viewed star Wars was probably in 97 when the uh, digitally remastered Mm. films came to the theaters because my mom actually took us out of school so that we could go see those in the theater. And it was, (laughs) it was amazing. Like all my kids or all my friends thought that I was the cool kid with the cool mom because she was like, Oh, you're, you got good grades. We'll take you to go see the movie. We'll take you out of school. We'll sign you out. (laughs) That's awesome. Parenting right there. Right. Hey, it pays to have good grades. See parents do stuff like that for you. I'll take your word for it. I never did. (laughs) (laughs) Travis and it's easy doing well down there. Nothing wrong with that. Proud of that. Somebody has, somebody has to be, gotten out so we're good <laughs> somebody has to be average that's all i'm saying <laughs> mathematically <laughs> speaking <laughs> so uh, what was it about star wars that hooked you i mean for me it was it wasn't just the story because the story's pretty cool but for me it was the dirty grimy i mean i grew up in the northeast and so the northeast especially when in the winter time gets gray and dark and gross and just <laughs> You know, just because of the soot. And so when I finally saw something that wasn't these sterile Battlestar Galactica walls and it was looked like these old cars and, hey, that one looks like my grandfather's beat up truck. It, it felt real to me because it looked real. What, what grabbed you in Star Wars? And, and we'll go with Travis first. I think part, honestly, part of what hooked me, not just the movies, but the action figures, like the fact that I could, you know, recreate either what I saw or what I wanted to see is part of what made me you know, just like go as deep as I could into, into Star Wars. And then, you know, watching the movies over and over again, memorizing the lines, just the characters, the good versus evil, the redemption, just there's everything in there that you could want. Sword fights, space, it's all there. Did you get any good figures? Uh, yeah, I had pretty much all of them. I, I've still got a blue snaggletooth around here somewhere. I don't have it with me, but. Did you I, save any of the boxes? No, I played with them back in the day. This is before. If I had a time machine, I would go back and rebuy them all. Yeah. <laughs> Where we lived, we didn't get the good ones. So there was like, you'd go to the store and there'd be 100 snaggletooths. There would be 100 of the, the butt cheek face. There would be mm-hmm. 100 of Jawas. There'd be plenty of Jawas, but to get a Darth Vader or a Luke or a Han Solo, right. you had you had to dig and claw and scratch and hope that you could find one in my little tiny town. I was so, a little spoiled. My mom worked at a Lionel play world. So uh, yeah, I got the hook up there. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks mom. <laughs> I love it. 
<laughs> uh, Valerie, where did you, what hooked you in? Well, I mean, you guys know, most people know how much I love Disney. And when I was younger, you know, most of the things that we watched were Disney and I'm a girl. So of course you put, you know, pink on the girls and you tell them to like, you know, all these princesses. But I was in love with like thriller and Michael Jackson and all of that, like really cool stuff. Right. And so then my parents, you know, I would watch the making of the thriller, mo like a uh, music video over and over because because I just thought it was the neatest thing. It was dark and it was scary. And then I started watching Star Wars and I was like, wait a second. So the girls and the boys, they all fight and they're all really amazing and they're in space and they're kind of like pirates, but they're not really pirates. <laughs> I, I just thought it was really cool that like they all were on the same level. So like Han Solo, Princess Leia, like it didn't matter. Plus their costumes were amazing. Of course, I wanted to wear all of their stuff. <laughs> and I wanted to have all of their weapons like I just thought it was a different thing to be like put in front of my face so therefore I wanted all the Star Wars figures just like my brother and my Star Wars figures played with my Transformers figures played with my G.I. Joe figures and my Barbies all at the same time <laughs> I used to double my Star Wars figures as Magnum P.I. figures because I really like that show too <laughs> so I've got a Han Solo that has a mustache yeah, you can also use that for the uh, the fake Indiana Jones that Magnum PI should have been. Yeah. So <laughs> for a second there, I thought Val was going to say Captain EO was her gateway to Star Wars with the lead up with <laughs> yeah. Michael Michael Jackson. <laughs> I, had I mean, I had that red. Uh, uh, lines, Val, I have a question for you. Explain this picture right here. Oh my gosh. Okay. So, um, I, in my line of work have gotten to do some pretty cool things. And this was actually, um, the first year that I believe the Grizzlies, um, hockey team did a star Wars night. And so I gave Brian a call and I said, Hey, we're doing a star Wars night. Let's get a whole bunch of star Wars characters together and have them come to the game. And so here we are with all of these and you got, I mean, I love Mandos. Mandos are my favorite character. So the Mandalorian, oh, right. So we're going up to um, the ice. Well, not down, going up from the ice and all the Mandos are in the elevator. And I said, wait, I got to get in here with you. <laughs> and I get a picture with me stuck in this elevator with all these Mandalorians, which is my dream come true. So it was awesome. <laughs> Perfect. Love it. Love it. Has anybody else gotten a chance to go ahead and get a cool photo op like that? Uh I, yeah, I've gotten a bunch of different ones, but uh, at other conventions where I've held, had, like, I got to talk to the gentlemen that actually were the lead puppeteers for Frank Oz, for Yoda, and mm -hmm. so they brought Yoda up on stage, and he gave me the side eye the whole time, and it's really weird to have a puppeteer, because you can see him, and then you see the puppet, <laughs> but the puppet is, like, what you're focusing on, and so it's really forget that there's a human being there. And so, so yeah, I, I had the, uh, the distinct pleasure of doing a Star Wars convention, uh, moderating a Star Wars convention this past uh, February. I mean, this past December. So it was, I've had a, I've had some cool things like that. That's so cool, Brandon. We didn't get into what you, so got your hooks into this. Oh well, anyone who knows me knows it's not a surprise that I like science fiction and I like fantasy. And here, the cool thing about Star Wars is it's both. You've got spaceships, you've got droids, you've got space wizards. I mean, it. it <laughs> it hits every single one of those buttons that I enjoy and that I like. And so, I mean, I don't think there was a choice for me not to be hooked by star Wars. 
Go ahead. I love it. And you, but you know what? Sorry, I got sidetracked because as I was trying to go ahead and screen share this, I want Brent, uh, Brendan to go ahead and explain this part. Boom. Oh, you know, okay. Tell everybody what the caption is on this, if you remember, because I do. I don't remember what the caption is, but I'll tell you what those are from. Uh, I made like uh, 40 pool noodle lightsabers or something like that for one of my son's birthday parties. <laughs> You're, you said you were going to go off on some eight-year-olds today. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we. My, so it was really cool. My son's eighth birthday party, we had uh, a cosplay group come in and do some uh, some Jedi training for them. And so one of the first activities they did was made pool noodle lightsabers. And then the cosplay group uh, did that one. We've got some awesome local cosplay groups. Uh, and because I'm on the spot, I can't remember the name, but it was color of something. Uh, oh, Marshall Williams group. It's, it's, it's a great group. Gotcha. Great gotcha. Group. I like yeah. how you had the hilts all look different. Oh yeah. We had lots of different tapes that the kids could design their own lightsaber because that's that's what you're supposed to do with a that's lightsaber. That's a good idea. Good parenting. Their own. Good parenting. It's an activity. Right yes, it took time. That's yep. the you secret to a good birthday Do this for my party. birthday? My birthday's in a couple months. Will you come do this for me? Well, <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll talk. We'll talk. Galaxy's <laughs> Edge, I'll tell you that. Um, you, can get, you can do that at Galaxy's Edge for like 200 bucks. <laughs> yeah, I, I, or, or two, as the case may be for pool noodles. Yeah, yeah. So, now, of course, who's your favorite character? Because uh, everyone's got, I, I think I got into some trouble during the Mandalorian panel where I said, I think there's two types of people. There are Luke Skywalker Jedi types and their Han Solo smuggler types and maybe a few overlap, but this pretty distinct camps. Um, I'm a Han Solo camp, smuggler camp. So uh, we'll start with Brandon. Which camp are you in? Who's your you know, I, I'm of the why not both camp. I, you know, if in just Jedi, I like Kanan Jarrus kind of because he does both. He's from Rebels and he's, you know, he runs the the missions on the side that sometimes can be smuggling, but he's also a Jedi. So, I mean, why not both? He's a good, he's a good combo. Uh, Travis? I'm Han Solo. I just, I, the idea of just being a, a rascal in space with a, with a giant hairy monster next to me sounds pretty good. <laughs> Valerie's face. Yeah. <laughs> 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 the Wookiee's what drew me in. I like the Wookiee first, then I realized yes. this, this is cool. So, you know, that's how I love this. So, Valerie, you you made a face I'm, talking about that. I mean, I'm Italian. We always have hairy people next to us. So, <laughs> um, uh, you know, everybody, because I do, show, I do show that I love Mandos, everybody assumes that that's my favorite. I, I like the Mandos as a whole and what they stand for. And, of course, I, of course I love Boba Fett. And I... Um, I totally love Qui-Gon Jinn. Like I have this love for him um, and what he stands for and, you know, what he did. I mean, it's kind of his fault that we have, um, you know, that the universe goes forward in what it does. Um, but I love Qui-Gon. So he's got, a, he's got a certain set of skills. <laughs> yeah, he does. <laughs> so, Greg. Uh, me, like I said, I, I, Han Solo is what it was, but it, it started with Chewbacca. Because I liked his character when I was a kid. When I was four years old, seeing a big, huge walking dog, that's awesome. Um, <laughs> in fact, if they had them now, I would love that. Because I, when I was a, even a little, even a little bit older, um, I was a big Bigfoot fan. Uh, I've got, I got over that before I was twelve. But between <laughs> nine and twelve, I read everything about Bigfoot because I loved the Wookiees so much. Um, and so, the Wookiee led me into the smuggler side. So I, I really like the Han Solo side of things, uh, which is why I love Mando. Uh, and the Mandalorian. 
that's why I love the first uh, third of Return of the Jedi is my favorite part. Uh, them at Jabba's palace. That kind of stuff is what really drives me. I, I even liked Solo, uh, the Star Wars story. I thought it was really well done. I love that uh, movie. It's great. Yeah. It was just a little too much fan service, but so what? Not for me. I loved it. I loved it. <laughs> I love fan service. So what can I say? <laughs> <laughs> hey, Travis, I got a question for you, man. Yes. Um, what um uh, now we might like a certain character but we can relate to others maybe more so than uh, than the ones that are our favorite you know is there a certain um uh, character that you relate to their either their story their characteristics their jokes whatever it may be like who do you relate honestly i relate to luke skywalker a lot just because of the whole he always felt like he should be doing more but he just didn't know how to do it. Either he didn't have the tools or the confidence, whatever. And just that that feeling inside where you're like, I got to be doing more. And then once once it finally happens and you realize your potential, it's it's kind of a balance between staying that cool farm boy or turning to the bar, to the dark side, like like his father. Was he a cool farm boy? Because he whined a lot. That I want to yeah, go to Tashi Station. All the cool kids whine, Craig. Yeah. <laughs> not the coolest farm boy he did turn into a, a you know a bad mamma jamma he had he had his moments <laughs> he had a broken family craig we'll cut him I some slack family young i got it <laughs> what about everybody else who do you guys relate to Watto. <laughs> <laughs> i'm italian too so it's because it feels like a- <laughs> I'm really short and I get into mischief and I think I'm cooler than I am. And you can I'm fly. <laughs> You're not supposed to tell people that, Travis. Oh, sorry. <laughs> oh, I probably relate uh, more, unfortunately, more towards C-3PO than anybody else. You know, just a little socially awkward. Uh, <laughs> you know, just... Chiming in at the wrong moments here and there, you know. I, I, I know how he feels. I I was going to say C-3PO as well, because I often am an uptight warrior, and that's what C-3PO is. He's this, goodness, it's just me. He's just kind of looking around, and he's constantly panicked, and I feel like that on the inside a lot. <laughs> Outside, I'm a ho- I wish I was Han Solo, but on the inside, I'm C-3PO. <laughs> now earlier to the, uh, earlier in this uh, convo you guys mentioned um, mentioned something about cosplay have you ever or what would you cosplay if you haven't already let's start off with Craig tell me what's on your cosplay wish list uh, I'm, I, I really appreciate people who cosplay I don't do it um, I, the only time I've ever dressed up is for Halloween so and I did a hell of an Indiana Jones one year but um, <laughs> uh, you know a hand solo because it's just regular clothes, you know, just kind of feeling cool. It's like putting on a suit, you know, when you got to go to a job interview or you're going out to a wedding and you get that suit on and you feel like James Bond for a little bit. <laughs> Dress for the job you want, Craig. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> you, just kinda, you feel like you're a cool smuggler type. <laughs> I love it. What about Val? I mean, I've dabbled in it. I I had um, some local cosplayers make some armor for me, and I designed it, and I do not pretend to know how to make anything. So I drew it up, and I paid for some local cosplayers um, to make it for me, and I designed it so that it's part Mando, part um, Jedi, and part Sith, because I don't want to choose. I figured if, I have, if I'm having it made, it's going to be all the things that I love. That's a cool mashup. That's awesome. <laughs> 
Travis, what about you? Uh, when I was six years old, I dressed as Yoda for Halloween. So there's that. Um, it was the mask, the the little rubber band that breaks behind it. That was fun. Uh, I'm I'm not much of a cosplayer. I do respect it. I think it's really cool. And I think probably the only Star Trek or Star oh, Star Wars <laughs> whoa, whoa, character whoa, whoa. I could Kick pull off. Kick him out! Bye, everybody. I'm ashamed. Uh, probably. Oh, sorry. What? I think I could probably pull off Porkins right now after this quarantine, but other than that, <laughs> I don't see myself dressing up anytime soon. <laughs> Brandon, what, what would you dress up as, or who have you dressed up as? I I, I don't think I, it worries me when Roe asks questions because he stalked <laughs> us, but I don't think I've dressed up as any Star Wars characters. I don't think I have, but I definitely would do a Jedi. I definitely I, I love this. Uh, the uh, Japanese samurai inspired uh, robes and things like that. I cosplayed years ago at fan X. I cosplayed a uh, samurai Superman and it was with a group of cosplayers who we all did DC justice league samurai era. And so I did samurai Superman and I tell you cosplayers, they, you know, wearing, wearing three, four layers of clothes and a big <laughs> set of armor. It's like, they're, they're, they're a special breed. They, they can do so much more, but you know, the, I've always loved the samurai inspired Jedi. That's, that's who I would cosplay as from yeah. star Wars. I feel that as a, as a cosplayer, if you, especially if you're doing it all three days or whatever the, the length of the convention is, you have to like condition leading up to the event so that you can, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you don't pass out or you don't have to keep. T- yeah. The local mercs, when I had my armor made, it wasn't official, so I couldn't be like official with them, but they were kind enough um, the year that it was made to let me uh, troop with them through Fan X um, for one of the troops. And I was like, I can't believe you guys do this three days in a row and more, you're sweating. You can't see out your helmet. Everybody wants you to stop like every three steps and take pictures. And you're, by the time you're done an hour later, you feel like you've ran a marathon. They're amazing. These cosplayers. Can you imagine the rashes that Darth Vader had? <laughs> I'm sure he had state of the art Bantha, I mean, uh, back to tank. <laughs> yeah, no good. <laughs> I followed those, um, the Mandalorian crew in one morning. Um, I thought they were vendors because they had these big, huge plastic buckets. Um, and I'm like, what you got in there? And they're like, that's our armor. And it's, and they opened it up and it's, it is because it's, there's so it's many a commitment. It's amazing. Going back to that birthday party I did for my son years ago, uh, the cosplayers, when they came in, we, we had to do it at a, at a local church so that we had enough room for lightsaber fights. And so my wife was over there setting it up and the cosplayers showed up and, you know, I, I love Marshall. He came in and he, he's wearing his kilt because it's easy to change in and out of into samurai stuff or Jedi stuff wearing a kilt. And he pulls out of the back of his Jeep a rifle case. And my wife doesn't know him at all. She just knows that I have a friend who's coming. So this, this guy getting out of a Jeep with a rifle case and I'm at my house and she's setting up at the church. And she's like, she calls me, there's a guy with a rifle case here. And I, she, she describes, I'm like, oh, that's just Marshall. And I talked to him. He opens it up. It's three different lightsabers. <laughs> so they, I mean, cause yeah, the, yeah, the cosplayers, they all, they have to carry their gear somehow. And now we know kilts are the secret weapon. Oh yeah. Kilt. You've seen Braveheart, right? <laughs> Definitely. Well, uh, as we're running out of time here, uh, one of my last questions uh, as a newbie over here in the Star Wars fan base and everything like that and trying to pick your brains, uh, what message do you guys think that Star Wars in general tries to, t- tries to go and portray? 
to its fans, to its audience. What do you think it either portrays or what do you what do you specifically get out of it? You know, uh, Brandon, like what when you see these things and it t- touches home and it's nostalgia and all this other stuff, like what message do you get out of this? The message I get from Star Wars is hope. They are it's all about hope, even when the smugglers are talking about luck. They talk about it in much the same way that the Jedi talk about hope. And that is something that, you know, uh, and I really like where Disney's gone with these with the last trilogy because I understand Darth Vader's redemption so much more after Kylo's. And I didn't think I'd like that because I didn't like the Darth Vader redemption. But there's always hope for redemption. There's always hope that things will be better. And to me, that's what Star Wars is about. It's about hope. And with that, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> no, <I'm just> <laughs> Travis, you're up. What message do you get? I was going to say hope too. <laughs> um, <laughs> so Thanks for I, calling on me first, Ro. I second yeah. the hope thing. I would just say a message to Star Wars fans out there that I think uh, stop comparing all the Star Wars stuff that comes out to the stuff you love the most. It's not healthy. Not everything can be the best Star Wars movie that's ever been made. Whatever your favorite is, that's great. Enjoy the things you like about the stuff that comes out and you don't have to love all of it, but I don't know, let's let's not make the actors feel like they never want to be a part of Star Wars anymore. I think I think we're going down the wrong direction with that. Just enjoy the parts you like. The prequels, they're not great, but I love Darth Maul. Darth Maul's awesome. I love uh all just so many things about it that I can pull that stuff out. Mace Windu is a really cool character. Seeing young Obi-Wan is amazing. I can still remember that stuff and love that stuff without comparing it all to the Empire Strikes Back, which is the one I think is the best. So just have fun with it. Love it. Love it. What about you, Val? Um, you know, unlike Travis, I love all of the Star Wars movies. Um, but I think in how many different Star Wars movies there are, there is something, Some everyone can find something in one of these movies that connects with them. And that brings us together as a community. And if you've ever gotten to go to one of the special screenings, either with FanX or like I um, got to buy a theater when Force Awakens came out and we filled, um, you know, the Megaplex with hundreds of people and we had cosplayers and we had fans and we had, you could feel the energy in that theater and we're cheering as the movie comes on and we're crying during the movie together and we're cheering as the movie ends. And after the movie, you know, goes out, everybody goes outside the theater and they're hugging each other because we just experienced this together as a community and I think Star Wars for all of us fans well for most of us fans means that we are celebrating this with all these other people we have this in common we have this that connects us and it's such a strong feeling um, to know that there are so many other nerds out there that feel the sadness and feel the happiness and feel the pain and I just I love the community that comes along with Star Wars (laughs) oh that touched home so much so much yep 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 Craig take it away well, I think it's a uh, everyone matters. So whether you are Luke Skywalker, who is a predestined hero, or a little tiny Ewok, or uh, a little green hermit that lives in the swamp, mm-hmm. or like, and as someone, and this is where I'll get a lot of people in the hate mail, but I actually love The Last Jedi. And I thought it was one of the best of the prequels because the ending, it should have been the, the third of the trilogy instead of the middle. Because that ending with that little boy in the little in his broom, showing that he has powers, uh, he's starting to get force powers, shows that everybody matters. Anybody can do it. 
anybody can be a hero. So that's what I love about Star Wars is that everybody is a hero. Exactly right. That's why this is, uh, well, besides being the biggest geek holiday on the calendar, I think that's why it's so important for us to go ahead and celebrate with our community. With everything that's going on, we can go ahead and just come around this one thing that we're passionate about. We love, hey, everything, all of our energy is going into it, especially that positive energy. And we can just go ahead and take a breath and be one community together. So thank you guys so much for being the faces of that community. Thank you for coming over here and telling us about why you love Star Wars, what your thoughts are, and how you connect to it, because we can't be more appreciative. FanX family, audience members, thank you so much for watching this. We hope that you and your families are well. We hope that the fourth is with you. From our families to yours, take care. Have a great May the 4th, guys. Later. Travis out of here. Travis. <laughs> Bye. Can't anywhere. <laughs>